with me now is Sam Tremantic from uh, AIA. Sam's in charge of the partnerships uh, the company works with. It's great to have you in here. How's things? How have you enjoyed lockdown? Yeah, look, it's been an interesting time. Yeah. So tell me, at AIA, what has your claims experience been around COVID? Yeah, look, good question. Um, look, we've had a, a number of redundancy claims come through as a result. Um, whilst it, it's not significant, it's not insignificant, and obviously that's just a reflection of the economy. Um, the other interesting thing is, look, we, we've dealt with um, two death claims as a direct result of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and look, whilst it's a tragic circumstance, it's, it's really you know humbling to be there for families at need. I think, you know, interestingly though, if, if we've got 30% market share and we just do the numbers, um, that may be six of the 22 um, victims that have been insured. So essentially so 75, yeah. well, essentially 75% of, of victims haven't had cover. Now, some of it you could argue might be product design, but I think you know what we really need to call out is there's a massive underinsurance problem still here in New Zealand. So is that something advisors should talk to clients about and use it as an example? Oh, look, I, I'd be fearful of using it as an example, but I think it's, it's just highlights the need um, and, and the underinsurance here in New Zealand. Yes. So I think, um, you know, there's plenty of opportunity. We are living in, in, in the classic VUCA world of volatility and uncertainty. Um, so, you know, the need for insurance is, is ever present. And redundancy claims, have, has that been a big number or? Yeah, look, I, I don't have the number off the top of my head, but there has been a, a number that have come yeah. through. Mm. Um, but that's, you know, retro, you know, that's, that's reflective of, of the environment in which we're operating in. But it's showing the products are working. Well, that's why they're yeah, there. Yeah. Um, and, and that's really pleasing. Um, and, and look, you know, for us, making sure that we've been able to keep our products open through the whole program or, or the whole event has yeah. been really, yeah. you know, important for us. So we've kept our redundancy cover available for, for new clients, albeit we've made it in, incredibly explicit, mm. the need for a six month waiting yeah. period, etc. But I think, you know, as an insurer, you can't just be there for the good times. Mm, no, no, that's exactly right. And and you've um, just this week rolled out some extra support for advisors. Can you talk me through that? We went out to our advisors and, and look, again, reflective of the economy, um, 65% of them said their biggest issue was cash flow. Mm. Um, I think they've done an amazing job retaining support staff um, and supporting clients through this time. But we really wanted to address that main problem, which mm. was cash flow. Um, so we've introduced uh, from this week a small business support payment. Mm. Um, so that's an additional commission payment mm. um, to the tune of 40% on, on new business that comes through via eApp. Mm-hmm. Now that's really important for us in the sense of, does it go all the way to, to make up for the shortfalls and losing revenue? No, um, but it supports the, those businesses. So it's also I guess, a bit of a drive for you to get the eApp used more? Oh look, without a doubt, but you know, uh, never make light of a, a crisis. The, mm. you know, the crisis you know, really drove up, take up, um, and we're sitting at about 80% usage So, now. So cash flow is a big issue for advisors. I'm sort of surprised because I would have thought a lot of them had good trail books. Trail is definitely part of their income stream. And, and look, you know, it, advisors are advisors and, and you know, obviously yeah. they've got different business models. And, and look, some that are, are well-placed and established in the mm. marketplace would have a good trail mm. book. Mm. Mm. Some that have just started out don't. And, yeah. and, and those that, you know, may have uh, entered into various partnerships where they share trail commission with referral partners yeah. or whatnot, you know, are also struggling. So, look, I think 
you know, as a generalisation, um, everyone is doing it tough mm. from a new from a new business perspective mm. and also from a, a cash flow yeah. perspective. And so this is um, AIA's way of helping out at the moment. Yeah, look, it was a you know we were trying to get the balance of speed to market and, and something that yeah. we could implement quickly, um, but also just you know aligning to that point of underinsurance. Mm. Uh, there is more than enough opportunity out there, mm. and, and whilst things are different and mm. the world's different the need for insurance is ever present. Yeah, so what are you seeing in terms of you know, new business now? Yeah, look, we're, we're returning to where we were pre-COVID. So how, how big was the drop? Uh, in the advisor market, it was, look, circa around 30%. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and look, you know, it was interesting. There were some advisors and, and, and you know, you, you can speak to them directly. Some would have really suffered significantly. Mm. Others, and, and whether it was mindset, attitude, yeah. or, or just the way that they'd structured their business, mm actually outperformed mm. during that time. So lessons advisors can take out of this COVID experience? There's a multitude, isn't there? Yeah. Um, look, I think those advisors that have been successful, um, and this is n nothing new, this is yeah. not a result of COVID, but I mm. think those that have done really well through this process um, have a clear value proposition to their mm. clients and have a clear client first mentality. Mm. Now, those that, are, that have had that relationship with their clients have been able to nurse them through their situation. Mm. They've understood their financial needs and been there for them. Um, those that have been more transactional have probably been more, more heavily hit. Yeah, so that's one of the things which I think this whole experience has done is actually focus people on what their value proposition is. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a, you know, that, that is, if you look at any other industry, it's a key for a successful business. It's yeah. knowing what you are, knowing what you provide, and, and ultimately know you, yeah. who you're providing it to. And we've learned a lot about technology during COVID. I mean, I bet you've done a lot of Zoom meetings. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm almost over Zoom meetings. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I but, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, you know, multiple faces on squares and talking over each other. But look, you know, it's amazing how we adapted. Mm. And, you know, from an AIA experience, and, and, and look, you know, all large businesses had to go through this, mm. but it was sort of within two days, we'd moved 1,100 people out of our office building, working remotely, and, and whilst it wasn't perfect, I must admit it was it was pretty amazing that you know technology en enabled us to do that. Oh, I've been fascinated with, that, with these big organisations and what they actually achieved during that time, and you know, you've got CEOs working from home and, and stuff like this, it's been... Yeah, and look, you know, th there's positives and negatives to it, but it's also tremendously humbling in the sense that you get an insight into people's lives yeah. and whether it's my two-year-old daughter listening to Frozen in the background or, <laughs> um, you know, someone's cat walking across the screen. It's, it is. It's, yeah. it's a really different way of working. So do you think that will continue? Oh, look, <laughs> I, I'd hate to be uh, the predictor of this. I, I don't think we'll go back to how we were. And I mm. think uh, for me, if I, if I speak for myself personally, you know, I think, you know, I, I've learned that working from home can be as efficient, if not more mm. efficient. So um, if I think of commuting to the office there and back and, and what I would do in the office, maybe I'm better suited mm. doing yeah. some more time at home. Yeah. So look, I think it's gonna be horses for courses, but I don't think we'll go back to what we were. Yeah, and, and other predictions for the future of advice? So what has this told us? I think um, it's told us the importance of being relevant. Mm -hmm. um, and I think from a product manufacturing perspective, uh, that challenge is on us, mm. making sure, um, when I talk about the underinsurance um, challenge that we have here, I think we've also, you know, created that problem mm. in the sense that our products are very feature rich and very mm. expensive. Mm. So um, how do we make sure that we're able to offer 
mm. products to, to a broader part of the community. So we might sort of see product change come out of this? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's not to say it's with, you know, taking on less risk. I think it's just adapting to people's yeah. needs and people's wants. Yeah, and and the other thing, and I, I saw you in a, in a video uh, during lockdown and one of the many videos I've, I've watched, um, dealer groups, how do you expect them to evolve after this? And I, I guess I'm really interested in that, you know, one of, the, one of your competitors has gone down the track of um, paying the overrides to the FAPs. Is that the sort of way you guys would go? Oh, look, you know, my, I have a personal bias. I believe that dealer groups are good. Um, I think they provide a, a really rich mm. service to the advisor. Mm. Um, and now th there's arguments to go and do it yourself and mm. you know there's a lot of reasons to do that and mm. if you're that way inclined then you should. Mm. But it's also a lot of admin and it's also a lot of compliance that you actually are responsible for mm. on top of just the standard advice compliance. Mm. If that's not your skill set, are you actually better to outsource that to a dealer group type relationship? And, and you know, I think it will evolve and it will mature, but I think there's some really strong dealer group offerings in the marketplace. I think there's um, a really important thing which is probably underestimated, and that's the collegiate nature mm. of a dealer group. Advising's a lonely business. Um, and so that ability to meet up with your peers on a regular basis and you know to mm. professional development days, continuous education, getting access to speakers that you couldn't actually afford by yourself, but your dealer group through their bargaining power can actually bring in, you know, I think that's really powerful. So, you know, I think, you know, each to their own decision and there's there's pluses and minus, minuses yeah. in any decision. Um, but I think, you know, there is a definitely a strong place for dealer groups going forward here I in the New Zealand yeah. market. Look, it's going to be fascinating to see how the industry evolves um, post-COVID and, and we'll be watching closely. Look, thanks very much for your time, Sam. It's been great to have you in the studio. Absolute pleasure yeah. to be here. Thank yeah. you. Cheers. Cheers.